so I'll be taking these nuggies and uh, whatever cash you got. modus operandi because at the end when he forces the woman who's really him to eat herself he's also eating himself to death i'm insane hi Marl bros i don't know what that word means i've written myself into my screenplay that's kind of weird huh self-indulgent it's narcissistic solipsistic it's pathetic i'm pathetic i'm fat and pathetic hi i'll be right with you sir Hi, I need a refill of this. I don't have a prescription, sir. Please wait your turn. I know, I know, but this is an emergency. Hey, buddy, ever heard of a lie? Hey, have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beat until you... Pissed blood! What? I'm talking to Noreen, this clown whose business this isn't. You call me a dildo, it is my business, Fritz. You are a dildo, pork fuck. Porker. This hers. Kill me! I, yes, I, I think, it, yeah. How'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? I, how'd it get burned? How'd it get burned? I don't know. You owe me $15,000. i will take 25% of the dope uncut. Uh, that means you get my price. That's one way of looking at it. The other is you get to keep 75% and not go to prison for the rest of your life.
Holy shit. Holy shit. They should have been put back in the barn hours ago. We haven't even fed them yet, have you? Dad, I tried. But... What do you mean you tried? Do you have any idea how much those animals cost us? They are alpacas. Alpacas. Nick Cage. And welcome to the Crazy Poultry Inc. podcast. I am your host, Ian Gailoco, and here we have a very special episode to bring you. In case you couldn't tell by that long intro, we're uh, here to talk about somebody very special to us in our heart. And with me to talk about that special person is Mr. Nickers Chicken. Hi! And Mr. Damon Gobbler Anderson. Hello. Uh, So, guys, uh, we are here to... Honor, talk a little bit about one of our all-time favorite actors, Mr. Nicolas Cage. Uh, This is also kind of a special we decided to do to kind of coincide with the release of Massive Talent, because that was basically a celebration of Cage, and we're like, you know, this seems like the perfect time to do it. So what I did was I entrusted these fine gentlemen and myself Basically, to give out our personal top 10 favorite live-action Nicolas Cage movies. Uh, how was that task for you guys? Fun. <laughs> but you certainly borrowed enough from me. <laughs> it wasn't too hard for me because I, I, I just hadn't seen enough of them. Um, and one of the main reasons why I said live action, even though Nicholas Cage clearly tries to become an animated character. Um, the main reason, though, for that is because a lot of... Even though he's not done a whole lot of animated films, we know for a fact that one of them would have been in, like, probably the top or top two. It smells like rain. My name is Peter Parker. I was bitten by a radioactive party. That's 1933, and I'm a private eye. I like to drink egg creams, and I like to fight Nazis. A lot. Sometimes I let matches burn down to my fingertips just to feel something, anything. That would have been Spider-Verse. If we included Spider-Verse, I have a feeling, no doubt, that probably would have been number one or number two for all of us here. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. I think it would have been high. One of the things that I did to judge these movies was, you know, I think I mentioned this uh, about Kick-Ass, that I liked the movie. It just, I loved Spider-Verse. My only issue is the segments that have Nick in it are awesome. They're great. But there's not a whole, whole bunch of them. As opposed to some of these other well, movies. In Spider-Verse, he's not the main focus. Exactly. Is. So, like, you know, the movie was great. It's just, like, you know, when I want, like, when I was judging this, I was trying to be like, I want Cage. Yeah. And that that's why that probably wouldn't have been as high. But it probably at least break into the top ten, I'd say. it's it's. Well, if I'm just going based off of if you tell me great movie that he is in. Oh, yeah. Spider-Verse yeah. is probably going to be in my top five. So. He's probably top three, honestly. Yeah. Um, so I then had the great fortune of then taking all these lists and uh, 
averaging this shit out. <laughs> so basically, and because of that, and I knew this would happen, uh, some of us, of course, had things on our list that we personally would put on there that others would not. So then those became what I'm calling the honorable mentions. Uh, so I'm going to just quickly kind of go through these and we'll just give out our quick thoughts of that. Uh, I'm going to go from top to first, like, you know, ones that were up below to yeah. up high. So the first one I'm going to mention is an honorable mention is Nick's Conair. Uh, shockingly, nobody else put this on their list. That's one of my childhood favorites. Um, that's all I could really say about it. I watched it a ton as a kid, and a lot of these actually, probably three or four of these movies I put in my top ten were uh, my favorites growing up. Mm-hmm. It'd definitely be in my top fifteen, like I would say, because I, I I really did like Con Air, but I think we had discussed this is John Malkovich just steals the whole show. He is just so good. The, yeah, the thing that I mentioned to you is that. I just feel that everybody kind of outshines Nicolas Cage in this. Yeah. Like, he, uh, he's, he's solid. Even, even Dave Chappelle does. <laughs> yeah. And like, he dies kind of quickish. <laughs> yeah, he's solid, but, like, if he would have just acted a little more crazy in it, mm-hmm. I think it would have just made the movie just even that more better. And he also, it's both funny, but when I'm also, like, trying to critique this, it's a horrible Alabama accent. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, and I feel that the movie just has too long of an ending. I think that they should have stopped when the plane crashed. Because it kind of feels like it just kind of drags for another 20 minutes. The death of Mal- Ma- John Malkovich is pretty cool, but I just kind of felt like it kind of went over. Uh, the next one that is on the list uh, is from Mr. Damon here, and that's a uh, 8mm. Yeah. Uh, give us why that made your top ten. Well, I, I I watched it because, you know, in preparation I was trying to watch as many of his films that I could. And I, I just saw this one, and I don't I had never seen it. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. And I just I really enjoyed it. It was dark. Joaquin Phoenix gives a great performance in it. Like, he is awesome. Um, even Nick, like, I mean, he's, he's investigating a snuff film. Like, it's really dark subject matter, and it's the movie's pretty fucked up. And I just, I had a great time watching it. Like, it's it's kind of gritty and grimy. Like, it's you feel kind of dirty after watching it. I, I, dig, I dug it. Well, I mean, hearing that and knowing some of the stuff that you're really into, I'm not surprised that it could make... I still have never really watched it, um... Mostly because when I was looking at like his received films, this is on the lower half from most I, I people. I could see, I could see why though. It's it's actually like one of the lowest on Metacritic, so that's why I was like, eh, he might be entertaining, but I don't know if I'll like this movie. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that like it is very the subject matter per se. Like it's not like a movie that's kind of forward with it, like something like. I don't know, Schindler's List, per se. (laughs) Like, you know, that's more... It is dark subject matter, but it's done in such a way that it's, you know, done well. This movie is a little more... It it has a feeling of, like, a 2000s film. Like, (laughs) it's... It's not, like, you know, high, high up, I would say. But he does give a great performance, and Joaquin is, like, next to nothing in it. He's really good. And I'm gonna just assume... You've not I've seen, not seen it, it. No. Yeah. A lot of them I haven't seen. <laughs> uh, 
So, Damon, you're right back up here, because I know why this is on your list, but in no way could I have put it on my list, though, and that's Vampire's Kiss. Yeah. Of course. I love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> the, the, the movie is a bad movie, yes. but I like... So, I, I knew Nicolas Cage, but, like, this movie kind of gave me a resurgence of Nicolas Cage. Like, this was, like, I didn't realize, like, he, he was always kind of, like, the more wild guy. But, like, that movie, I was like, what is this? Because I left watching that film. I was like, what the fuck was that? Like. It was also her honor. Yeah. The first Rotten Egg that we did. It was great. It was so fun. And now, it's. Now, now, I'll give you this. Every time that Nicolas Cage is on screen, it's awesome and amazing because he's, it's so over the top and, you know, overacting. It's amazing. It's just every time he's not on the scene, it is just paced bad and it's shot bad. And I think that's why I like it too. It's charming, but in a bad way. Well, but that's also why it could. In no way could I say that it's a yeah. good movie. So there's no way it could make my top ten if I'm being mm-hmm. serious. And that's about fair. It. I didn't. I didn't honestly figure anybody else would have it on their list because, like, I like it for certain reasons, and it's because I like bad movies. Yeah. And that's kind of why it falls under that list. <laughs> Nothing again, Nick. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I, I just, I would say I've, just, I've just heard not to watch it other than to watch the stuff that's on YouTube. Yeah, I would say <laughs> just watch the collages yeah. of Cage yeah. on YouTube and you're fine. Because there's especially one part that I did not see him saying coming. So, oh, yeah. Um, up next up on the list uh, is back is Mr. Nick here again, and that was uh, for Kickass. Yeah. Uh, that was your number seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, not on our list, so tell us why. I just Major thought list. when he was on screen, uh, he was fantastic, and then the movie along with it is awesome to me. It was one of my more surprising movies because when I was seeing the trailers, it looked like a, you know just a typical superhero movie. But when I came out of it, I actually rather enjoyed it, and I thought that you know, as he wasn't like the main character in the movie, I thought he complemented everything well. So yeah. I liked the movie a lot. Yeah, that would be my biggest thing is that he's not. A main focus mm-hmm. of it. Um, I get it. I I do herald it as like a pretty good probably adaptation of the comic and stuff because it is very brutal mm-hmm. and stuff and shows like what superheroing might really be. Mm-hmm. And every time he is on, he reminds me of like a combination of Batman and Punisher. Yeah. Because it's a Batman <laughs> that will kill. Yeah. And every time he's with a uh, Hit Girl, it's yeah. pretty damn good. Uh, but I get it. Though. I, uh, it would probably be in my top 20, maybe. So, uh, your small thoughts? Yeah, my, I kind of have the same com- complaint, really. Like, if he was just on the screen a little more... Because when he is on the screen, it's awesome. Like, yeah. he is... Big Daddy is such a cool character. And funny enough, I actually heard that the guy that made the comic for this mm-hmm. has, like, four comics that he sold. I'm pretty sure he did Walking Dead as well. Um, mm-hmm. So... It, but the, the the movie is awesome. It is a fun movie. Like, I just think if there was more of him, I could have put it on my list. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, it kind of falls into the same thing with Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse, there's, you know, he is great when he's on screen, but it's just like, he's not the center of the, like, center of the story. He's just kind of a side character that, like, you know, has, like, the tragic death and all that. Like, it's easily his best live-action superhero. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Next up are actually two in a row for me because they were pretty high up on mine that nobody else put on theirs. So I'll start with the big surprise to me that I watched for the first time and it has not only cracked my top ten, it's almost to my top five, and that's The Weatherman. <clears throat> he, he, he plays, as it says, the we- a weatherman who is well-known in Chicago, um, but he's trying to like kind of get like this next level job for i believe it was good morning america uh he also has a very rocky relationship with his ex-wife his kids are at a certain age where there's weird things going on with them and he's trying to mix with that but the thing that i i actually really loved about this so not only is actually directed by gore vabinski who did the first pirates movie Mm -hmm. And actually, what I call this next generation's new shining, the cure for wellness, I I got like that whole cold vibe because it's taking place a lot of the time in the winter. Um, but it has Cage being subdued, but also having him have his freak out moments, but he's not going over the top. Um, and just the writing for him is so good. And Michael Caine plays his dad oh god and at first it's weird because he's doing an american accent yeah i don't like ever seen him do it but that storyline and their connection is so good and i mean it was the surprise one for me i think it's very strong all around uh my thing with it is i just mm-hmm. haven't seen it yeah mm-hmm. I, like if i would have watched it, it it might be up there a lot of these for me if i would have watched them we probably would have cracked somewhere in the top 10 uh, and my, and at number five for me that is not on anybody else's list and I know that Nick said that he's not seen it uh, and that and it's not making our top ten and people probably will be pissed about this because it's his Oscar winning performance Leaving Las Vegas um, I am without a doubt saying this is obviously one of his top three maybe two performances he's ever given because did win him the Oscar it's just questionable of how much would I rewatch it. Yeah. And that's why it fell to number five. And I was like, I can't not not put this on my list because it's so good. I just find myself not wanting to rewatch it as much as other ones. So that's like the small thing. And Cage has been on record saying that this is probably his favorite romance couple that he's ever read for characters. Somebody should watch that maybe. <laughs> no, no, no. It's too good. She, she would not be into it. Damon, did um, you watch it? Yes, and I, I do like it, but my only thing is, like like you said, it's I like just about all these films that are presented here. Like, that's the thing with it is, most of the movies I watch with him, I like. Yeah. Like, so it comes more of, like, all these would make a list because I don't necessarily hate any of them. It's more of a, well, I got to put them in a certain order and I just happen to like these 10 above the rest. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that I don't like the movies. It's just more of these just happen to sit at this order so as then, compared. So then why was what did Vegas fall? Well, like you said, rewatchability. Mm-hmm. I can just feel like I can watch these other movies like I would want to watch them more and, like, personalize with them more as opposed to... Like, some of these films, like, I really saw myself within it. Like, like Adaption, you know, we'll be getting to that, I'm sure. 
and I was just like, yeah, I can really like connect a little bit with this movie. And like, Leaving Las Vegas was fun. It's just like I said, it's just not as opposed. You, you see what I'm saying? I, I think that's a word that's never been used to describe Leaving Las Vegas. Fun. Yeah, I'm sick though. I've already explained this. <laughs> and the last one on our mentions was Nick's number four, which is the most recent massive talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I kind of gave my reasons in our review of why this would probably fall out of my top ten. Uh, I think Cage and, uh, gosh, I'm forgetting his name now. Pedro, Pedro, Pedro and Pesco. Are easily the best things in it. Uh, it just feels like the studio took charge at the last second and kind of messed with it, and I felt like that kind of ruins a little bit of the magic. Hopefully the director's cut, which I'm hearing will be the Blu-ray, fixes that. But as far as right now, it just couldn't make my... I think for me, I maybe I need to watch it more. Like that, I think that would help if I watched it a couple more times. Um, and it, it was great. Like, again, it was fun. It was a great movie. Like, I had a good time watching it. But if I'm just watching it, like, you know, I, I, I think I, I appreciate the film. But if I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, it's just a, it's another fun performance. It's like watching Willy's Wonderland. I had a good time watching Willy's Wonderland. It just wouldn't break that mark, but it was a really fun movie to watch. And that's kind of how, it was. like, this movie, I could probably rewatch this, that you know, the unbearable way. Like, I could probably watch that a lot because it's just kind of fun and goofy. Probably why for me it was way up there because yeah. it was one of the more rewatchable films. And so, like, if I'm looking at just like Cage and quality, like, hey, it's just like, it just like I said, it's it, it kind of falls with Leaving Las Vegas. Like, good movies, it just doesn't quite hit the other ones. Well, uh, now it's time to actually get into the top ten. And again, I mean, Damon kind of pointed out there, but I'm just going to be putting this out there. Even though this is a certain order, I, we, especially me, I'm not saying anything that any of these are bad. So it basically then came down to little things. I had to be nitpicky with how I made my list and... That's how I felt like these almost did come out, but we will see. Um, so to get into that, though, here is number 10 to start the list of top 10 Nicolas Cage movies. Handsome. The book has no story. 
There's no story. Make one up. Okay, we open with LaRoche. No, we open at the beginning of time. Okay, we open with LaRoche. Crazy white man. We open on Charlie Kaufman. Fat, bald, ugly, paces. And number 10 is Adaptation. Uh, this was pretty... The exact same Damon and I had on our list, and we had it in the exact same spot at what was it, number eight or seven? Yeah. Um, when I rewatched this, I was like, wow, uh, Cage is amazing, but this script is very good. Uh, written by Charlie Kaufman, basically about trying to adaptation. How do you adapt something that is very hard to adapt? while also having very depressive and anxiety issues being that person and confidence at you. I told you, Damon, the first few seconds in that beginning monologue, you're going to love this and connect yeah. with it. And that's what I think you were getting at earlier. Yeah. Because him as Charlie and as his brother, Do faux brother Donald, having two different personalities, and seeing two cages on screen is... Yeah, that Amazing. was a little trippy. <laughs> yeah. Just the, like, especially at the same time. Like, normally, like, t you know, camera tricks, like, they'll put, like, you know, this, 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 like, you know, back and forth. Like, you know, they kind of did that a little bit with Jack and Jill. Like, <laughs> they tried to, you know, not keep them on the screen, or if they did, they were in the same room, mm -hmm. it would switch back and forth. Yeah. So, like, you know, they tried to limit that, and but there's, like, a lot of scenes where they are together. Yeah. And so, like, I'm actually kind of impressed by the fact that they, you know, got it the way they did. But, yeah, this movie was, like, it's bleak. Like, it's a... Pretty it's, bleak. Yeah. Like, I mean, the movie's just kind of depressing. Oh, my. And... I, I think it builds up to a much happier... Yeah, thing. yeah. Like, th this has that exact same vibe that I felt Massive Talent has, where the third act they're doing like this whole thing where they're talking about a script and they're like no I don't want to do like the typical Hollywood thing like the chase scenes and stuff like that and then they do happen but I felt like this was actually paced better and actually made a little bit more sense in the storyline yeah. of why it happens and Meryl Streep is great Chris Cooper is amazing he won an Academy Award for this and for him to win something great like that missing his front two teeth is probably a sign of his talent. Yeah, uh, it, it was it was very well done and the, easily one that I could rewatch again. Yeah, that sure. that was probably like the only thing that why it fell a little bit lower for me is that I don't know if I would rewatch it over the other ones as much. Yeah, but it definitely is just strong overall, so that's why it's a high recommendation for me. And Nick, you've not seen it, so. <laughs> The, the cover is also very interesting, but it, yeah, does, it, like, it, it does make sense with the story. Yeah, I actually think you'd probably really like it. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of, of these. There, there's like. a lot of allegory talk that you have to pay attention to, too. Um, so, yeah, that was Adaptation at 10. So, moving up to number 9 on Best Nicolas Cage Movies.
closed around the serpent's eye. I believe you had this much higher than me, so I'll uh, let you take the floor at the beginning. I think I had it at two, I believe. I think so, yeah. Um, <clears throat> after I watched it, or I, you recommended it to me because I hadn't seen it yet, and mm-hmm. I had heard it was his most menacing and brutal film. It was his first horror uh, movie. Yeah, and I was like, Nicholas Cage in a horror movie, I have to see that. So, uh, yeah, I watched it, and oh my God. Uh, it's probably the movie that he does the most... I would say different, I guess you'd say, pitches of voice because one minute he'll be, you know, absolutely crazy, mm-hmm. he'll be normal, and then he'll do his whispers. Yeah. And I thought that was an awesome part of the movie. And it's just a freaking gore fest, man. And Chainsaw Heaven. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, it was just to me. For a little bit, I thought it was his best performance, and that was before something else came out. But mm-hmm. um, for, yeah, for me, I just I think being the horror guy that I am, I just related to it more than any of his other movies. Yeah. Well, I mean, all of us here are giant horror fans, and this clearly is like paying homage to like all the slasher stuff, yeah. especially the latter half. Uh, like you mentioned, the chainsaw sequence. He then even has his own like personal weapon that he creates that is now in like horror zeitgeist yeah. uh, I, I and I think the music and the atmosphere yeah. are great yeah. and he's been on record saying I and I don't know how to pronounce this director's name but he thinks he's like a visionary like he's like the new person to watch uh, the the only reason why it fell lower to me I, if I'm remembering right it was number nine for me is because there are certain pacing issues like it kind of holds on some things just a little too long um and i do appreciate but i also could understand like somebody like going like wait why is it now a cartoon all of a sudden because yeah. it'll have like those animated features and mm-hmm. then but that's just because the director wanted to do everything that he was like very into um and it's also very interesting to see the same actor that played thomas wayne yeah. <laughs> be the main bad guy yeah. in this. <laughs> um and yes, and as soon as he, as Nicholas Cage said, he like tastes like the hallucinogenic demon thing, and he like goes 
insane. <laughs> yeah. That is like amazing. And yeah. I feel like that director, as soon as he came up with this idea, he called Nicolas Cage. And he was just like, Yeah, I think he did. You too. were born for this. Um, and I I do think that they did a decent job with the giving like the backstory, like him and I believe her name was Mandy, mm-hmm. the woman that they end up killing that he does the revenge for. Um, but gosh, there are some times where I was like, she's fucking creepy. Like the Your part, one, one of the, yeah, like the dark black eye part. Yeah. I was just like, what the fuck? Even in the dark parts, you could see her, you know, yeah. beady eyes. And they, they even say that they live on Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes, another reason. That's way up there. Now, Damon, I'm pretty sure you have seen Mandy. Uh, once. Which yeah. is why I was surprised that it did not make your list. I think it's for me is like I've watched everything else more, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's not as fresh in my mind. So that's probably like see, like I said, I was beating myself on some of these where I was like, I should have put that on there. I should have, you know, I should switch this one around. Mm-hmm. Like, so I mean, probably rewatching it, it probably would make the list. It would mm-hmm. crack and maybe knock something out of the loop. It's well, just, I mean, that's why like since there's so many that some of us have not seen, if we do eventually watch them, we could talk about it again, saying, like, well, this ca- this Cage movie now is junked. Yeah, and so definitely, like, I mean, it was, like I said, I've only seen it, the like, the one time. And it was good. Like, I remember I, I really liked it, but it was, like, again, when I'm, like, watching some of the other ones, like, there's stuff more fresh in the mind mm-hmm. that I'm thinking, and then, like, you push stuff back, and then you make the list, and then... <laughs> It's just one of those things that, you know, unfortunately, my brain kind of spaced the Mandy. Yeah. And uh, kind of just quickly mentioning again, like, an atmosphere kind of thing. Uh, it was also very good timing on my part that before I saw this, I saw the 70s movie Suspiria. Mm. Oh, yeah. That, which, and that's a perfect, like, prelude almost. Which that color scheme is in that. They're just weird color flashes that you're just like, that makes no sense, but it just looks very cool. A lot of red. A lot of red, a lot of green. Um, And even though they don't explain some things, it doesn't matter. You're there for the ride. And it's, he, uh, Nicholas said that the, I think the director like told him like to watch a Jason movie. For the part when he, uh, like, becomes, like, that kind of, like, overpowered, like, supernatural. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not really a big slasher fan, so I checked it out. But he then watched uh, something else that kind of gave him, like, that whole, like, kind of spiritual kind of being kind of thing. So, yeah, Mandy, number nine. Uh, now to jump to number eight on our top ten Nicolas Cage movies. And what could that be? Outdoors. Tell me you've left the house in three days. Have you eaten anything in three days? Besides canned tuna? Anything else? Dirt. Obviously, I have a lot of ticks. These distractions affected your work of life? What would you do if you had to change careers? What, if I wasn't an antiques broker? If you weren't a criminal. I'm Agent Kellaway. This is Agent Cole. We're from the Federal Trade Commission. You've been the victim of fraud. Do you have any more of those L47s? Oh, uh, yeah, maybe in the car. Oh, wait a second. Oh, here we go. 
This is Dr. Klein. I just got off the phone with Angela, your daughter. She says she really wants to meet you. Remember me? All of a sudden, I have a daughter. It's a riot, huh? Little training bras hanging from the shower rods. <laughs> That's no way for a young lady to behave, and uh, shame on you! Just try to be as honest and open with them as possible. Right. You're a con man? A con artist. Wow. Flim flam man, matchstick man, take your pick. And that guy, Frank? He's my partner. Teach me something. Rule number one, never work near where you live. Don't. Rule number two, yeah. don't write anything down. <laughs> you regret it? Exposing her to that? Well, uh, you know, it was a little. Uh, it made me feel a little. Uh, you know, it was a little. I really liked it. How much do you think we can take that guy for? 30 grand. More. 15-year-old men. Uh, one that, after I rewatched it, fell very, very high up for me. Uh, it is probably actually my number two Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, directed also by Ridley Scott, which a lot of people forget. Um, play, to me, this is just like that perfect mixture of having Cage be very good acting, but because you give him a disorder, it gives him those ticks. To make him go off and crazy, and he that that scene in the convenience store, where he's like, "Have you ever pissed blood?" Is just like one of the top memed ones now. But him having that compulsive disorder, I was like, "Oh, just perfect casting there." Uh, but Sam Rockwell is also great in it. And again, like I mentioned in the Bad Guys review, him playing that complex character of, "Do you like him or not?" He's just very good at that, and, uh, I'm, and I forget the actress's name, but who plays his, a, quote, estranged daughter, I thought also was very good in it. And the pacing is just very good. It's, it has no fault in it at all, and just comedy, there's great drama in it, and it's very well written. Uh, just overall, to me, this is one of his best overall. And Damon, I know that you have seen it. Yeah, uh, I, I think it does have that good balance of like, yeah, it, it is funny, like there's good comedy, but there is a lot of, you know, there is serious moments when there needs to be serious moments. It's not like all crazy, like something like Vampire's Kiss. Um, and it, it's just well written and well done. Like I had forgot that Ridley Scott had done this movie. Yeah. And you're right, Sam Rockwell, like he's starting to become high up there for me. Like he's fun. He's a fun guy. Like, and I haven't seen Bad Guys yet. And when I do, I'm, I'm assuming I'm probably going to like him. Like so Sam Rockwell, I told somebody this, is right now the only guy that could play somebody that is a stone cold racist, but you feel bad for him at the end. Yeah. I, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> so it's, it's just one of those things that like, it, it was just... It was a great watch. Yeah. Like, really entertaining. I, I honestly want to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> because, like... It, it was like, I remember I watched it, and I was like, this is very good. And then I went a couple of years, and then it got to this moment. I watched it, and I'm like, no, I, I can't really I can't do that again. I have to... <laughs> this has to be, like, a watch almost now every year because <laughs> of how good it is. Uh, Nick, you have not nope. seen this? Easily probably the highest recommendation I would put out there. <laughs> As far as I'm well, I see five that I've heard <laughs> really good things about that I have not seen. 
Um, so yeah, Matchstick Men at number eight. Uh, I, I have to admit, personally, that feels bad, but I'm just happy it's there in the top ten. Um, so moving on to number seven of the Nicolas Cage movies. What could it be? What could it Face-Off. Uh, Mr. Wood, I believe you pried it the highest on your list, so I'll let you take the floor. Well, first of all, I'll say it for the longest time is my favorite Nicolas Cage movie before we got into more of his recent work. Mm-hmm. And whenever you said Nicolas Cage's name, that's the movie I always thought of. And even the idea of the movie, which I believe came back in 96, yeah, was... So. It was a crazy idea, and not, nothing like that had ever been done. And the fact that they pulled it off, I think, was great. And I actually think John Travolta was really great, too. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it's been a long time since I've seen it, but like I said, for the longest time, it was my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. And well, it's number two for you. <laughs> was it really? That was three. No, I think you had... It was... Yeah, it was number two for you. Oh, number was three, it? Number three. There was Mandy. Movie. Okay, it was number two. So there you go. That's... <clears throat> says it right there that it, for the longest time it was my favorite and I just you know I love the idea of it I thought it was shot great acted really well and yeah uh, so I was the only other one that had this on their list and this was number nine for me number nine. now this also like you this was one of my top three maybe even two Nicolas Cage movies for the longest time so now why did it fall so far down on the list for me so I rewatched it, and this was the first time I rewatched it on a bigger TV in 4K. Uh, I noticed some production issues, <laughs> uh, just little things that I noticed. Uh, like one guy in the beginning, I clearly could see the wire on his back. So when the <laughs> shotgun shoots him, he flies back. I was like, oh god. Um, 
I, I'm not even gonna try to legitimize the premise. The premise is fucking insane. It's if you try to real realize that it it you're, you're gonna have like, issues. It's like who was better, John Travolta, Nicholas Cage, or Nicholas Cage? Well, John Travolta. Just the whole procedure factor yeah. of like, yeah, sure, that would fly, and you know the whole like underground police stuff, and also though another issue that hit to me as far as classifying this as a Nicolas Cage movie is he's actually only Caster Troy for the first 15 minutes because then he has to become Sean Archer um, and then John Travolta has to act like an overacting Nicolas Cage and he steals the movie to me um, and I feel like it becomes more him that I remember for those outrageous things than Nicolas Cage, even though he does do some of that, because he's also told, hey, actually try to act, too. Like, he has, like, a lot of, like, crying emotional scenes, like, with his wife in it, too. Um, and also, the stuntmen, uh, props, you deserve way a lot of props, the shit that you do in this movie, but not one of you hired look like Nicolas Cage or John Travolta. <laughs> Especially the part when the boat, like, crashes and they're flying towards the island. It holds on this shot of them flying, and I'm like, that is not either of them! But I, it's just another thing of you need more respect. And what do you do you, when you have an insane premise, you have insane actors, you hire one of the most insane directors from... Asia, that being John Woo, who always has to have his doves flying at some point. <laughs> um, and to me, actually, the thing that I remember the most right after I watched this is the score. The score is awesome. It's so, like, pounding and, like, yeah, driving force. That, Fast pace. Yeah. And every time it's on, I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Uh, but that's why it fell over to me. Uh, Damon? You have yeah. any uh, thoughts about why it didn't crack yours? It it's it kind of boils down to a lot of them. Like I said, I don't like any, I don't hate any of the movies on here. Like I think Face Off's a fun action play for sure, mm -hmm. um, and the premise is crazy, but whatever. Yes. Like I can get past that. Like that, but like you said, you know th there is things that you do notice um, because my TV. You know I have a really big TV, and yeah, you do notice some things and. I can still even get kind of past that, but it's just, it just didn't quite just really hit me where I wanted it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I think John Travolta is actually really good, and it. it's probably one of my favorite John Travolta movies, Yeah, but it's just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, like, you know, it's a fun watch, and I could probably, if you, I was just wanting some kind of... You know, action flick, like kind of fun. It's just, definitely a popcorn movie. Yeah, yeah. Let's like, just I, have, I let's could just have a good time. I could just sit and watch. You know, just throw it on if I want to watch something a little crazy. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, pop. And it in. was his number one in massive talent. Yeah, it was Pedro Pascal's favorite movie of all time. <laughs> so I can just be like, yeah, throw it in there, be like, check it out. I like it's again. It's not necessarily a bad film. It's just, it's more of like enjoyment wise. I'd be like, yeah, this is whereas like some movies like. I actually want to sit and watch this. Yeah. Where it's like, I could just throw this on in the background. Just be like, you know, pop in every few minutes. Be like, ha yeah, you know. Also, is it is it just me or did, was there this weird feeling when John Travolta is 
him, and he actually seems to act more like a better husband and dad. <laughs> I mean, just because of what we had seen, I was like, wow, he doesn't really pay much attention to his wife because he's into his work. He constantly is blaming his daughter for her own shit. <laughs> when John Travolta, a.k.a. Nicholas Cage, is in there, he teaches his daughter how to self-defense. <laughs> And he lights a candlelit dinner and, like, you know, basically bruises his wife better than they ever have. And one of my favorites is when he's reading his diary. He says, we haven't made love in two months. He goes, what a loser. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's why John Travolta to me steals it. Uh, So, yeah, uh, one that is highly liked, still liked, but fell to number seven for some reason. But now, just before the top five, just missing that, we're now at number six of top ten, Nicolas Cage. And what could that be? Look at this. All those years in the big city, we finally got out. We're living the dream. Maybe it is a dream. since he had it one higher than you, Nick. <laughs> okay, so if... For a long time, Nick was making movies to get money. <laughs> like, So we got movies like Primal, which is terrible, like things like that. I believe that M- Mandy was a resurgence for him. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of coming back into his own and actually doing something he kind of wanted to do. And then right after, we got Caller Out of Space. And... If that was the first horror he's done, that's the second horror he's done because Colorado Space was terrifying. It was a really dark movie. Like the whole the premise, I mean it's HP Lovecraft, what do you expect? But it's really well done and it's as far as a film goes, like it's well acted. Like it's really well like I don't think there's anybody in here that I'm like, oh, I'm just yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Tommy Chong, isn't it? Like one of the most perfect castings of that character. Yeah, he was great. Like, but it, like the film is very like 
you're sitting there, and I, I was kind of on the edge of my seat on a lot of it because I'm like, all right, like I'm waiting for things to happen, and it gets a slow build up up until st- mm-hmm. shit starts really getting crazy, mm-hmm. and then towards the end, like it's just batshit insane, and Cage is like crazy, like he gets he gets to really let it go in this film. Not to mention we get to hear a little bit of that vampire's kiss voice. Exactly, and it's. It's fun. It's it's just such a fun watch, and I could watch it over and over again. I really could. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I said, I think this is the movie that surprised me more than any of the ones I've seen in Nicolas Cage, based on not knowing anything about it. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those. Okay, the name of it sounded interesting, and if I don't think you could stick anybody else in a movie about a beam of light <laughs> being the main villain in the film. And other than Nicolas Cage, yeah. um, you've got his little quirks here and there, his jokes that he says. I actually like the minimalistic sets. Yeah. I thought that was great because most of them are real, if not all of them. Um, the score is really awesome and that is very creepy, very very extraterrestrial, yeah. which I love. Um, the maybe nitpick <laughs> I have on is the uh, the special effects on the. I think it was a praying mantis. Yeah. But I'm not sure if they meant to make it look like that or not. But uh, Tommy Chong was awesome as in his role. Um, the wife and son were great, and but something happened to them that was one of the most gruesome things I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Um, there was it llamas. Uh, alpaca. Alpacas. Alpaca. <laughs> the alpacas. They ended up. You know, being something really creepy too. But as far as the whole movie goes, I absolutely loved it. I watched it many times. Um, I would highly recommend this to mm. any Cage fans and uh, any horror fan. Honestly. Yeah, it's you like a well, it's, it's alien stuff, horror stuff. If you like all that, then I would highly recommend this. And it, this movie really shocked me. So the biggest praise that I could give this is that this is definitely a throwback to those classic horror movies. Uh, like The Thing and you know anything that Cronenberg has done because the practical effects in there made me so happy the creature design and some like very thing uh, how you mentioned especially the part with the alpacas that reminded me of the dogs from The Thing <laughs> I was like oh gosh that is sweet um, I, I and what it turned out to be the determining factor for me was that I could only put one horror movie from Nicolas Cage and I was like uh, I'm gonna go with Mandy I, I, I just connected a little bit more with that I do feel that somebody that has a problem with the pacing that I did mention in Mandy will be fine with color spaces better paced um, but yeah uh, I can't say anything terribly bad about it um, if I were to say just the character that is there for exposition basically about like the water stuff He's, oh, the, uh, the purifying the, guy? Yeah, he's the least developed out of all of them. Um, and I did not realize this until I finally watched the show, but the kid that played the little son, he then went on from this to be in a House on Haunted Hill mm. show. Mm. And he was very good at that. So he kind of has like a creepy child vibe. He was very good. career going on. Especially just staring at the well. He's just like, yeah. Hey, we, we need those in Hollywood. Hollywood needs certain archetypes yeah. like to be in films. Creepy kids. 
fat guys. Like, <laughs> hey, Hollywood. Are you just describing yourself? <laughs> a creepy kid and a fat guy. Wow, holy <laughs> shit. Maybe, but. Wow. That's besides the point. You need to have these type of characters because there is a market for creepy kids. Like, I mean, really. Like, you have films. Look at some of the creepiest films ever. The Shining. Danny is a creepy kid. But he never, he made, he never made another film after that. Yeah, but he was fucking creepy. Yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, the kid from uh, the one who played Damien from The Omen. That kid's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think he meant to. He just fucking creepy looking. That's the thing. We need creepy kids. So. Like, well, and then Jenna Ortega is starting to come along, too, for me. She's yeah. been in creepy stuff. So I don't know if that's what she's going to do or expand, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so, Color Out of Space made it all the way to number six. Just missing the top five. So, now breaking into the top five Nicolas Cage movies. What is number five? What is number five? Here we go. Make another top five. Benjamin Franklin Gates, you are undertaking the duty of the family, Gates, to find the most spectacular treasure in history. It grew throughout the ages and moved across continents until it was hidden by America's founding fathers, who left clues to the treasure's location right before our eyes. The unfinished pyramid, the all-seeing eye, are telling us something. This treasure safe, Benjamin, is your destiny. You're treasure hunters, aren't you? We're more like treasure protectors. All his life, Benjamin Gates has searched for a treasure no one believed existed. Don't you get it, Ben? The treasure is a myth. Yeah, I refuse to believe that. But what he thought was the final clue... 108 years of searching from three feet away... ...is only the beginning. The Declaration of Independence. You think there is a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence? The map is invisible. Why would we make this up? Where's your proof? We don't have it. So this was on your guys's list, and uh, surprisingly, I'm gonna let Damon start because this is his number one. Most shocking thing to me. Whoa. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna give my this. reasoning for this. Um, so essentially, this was the first movie that, when I noticed it was Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. like. You know, I think I had seen Face Off as a kid, but I was he was just an actor. Like, The National Treasure was the first time we were like, Nicolas Cage. Okay. And I, I love National Treasure. I, I don't think I've ever said otherwise. Like, I, I've been pretty kind of open about my love for National Treasure. But I just, I just love this film. It's, it's action-y, like... It adds conspiracy kind of theory stuff into it, like the fun conspiracy theories, not like the new age, like crazy people ones. Like, no, the founding fathers have a secret treasure. Yeah, well, that, that that's fun. Like, I, I like that. It's fun, and it's 
well, the biggest surprise to me about the film is the fact it's Disney related. Like, but this one was, I don't know. I again, this was one of the first Nicolas Cage films that I saw, and I was like, this is Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. and I just I loved every second of it. And I still I can watch it today. I've seen it like 40, 50 times, oh. and I can still just sit and watch. In fact, I might watch it tonight. I don't know. Because no, I really you got to watch Firestarter. I can watch both. Nick, this was your number nine. Yeah. Um, I think it made my number nine following his explanation. I'm just going to say I related to the subject matter a lot. I love the treasure stuff. The I got to find this. How do I get to the next step kind of thing. I love that. Um, there was some you know, really good comedy in this, really good action. Uh, I mean, John Boyd plays his father. Um, there was a lot of good actors in this. I do remember it being being really flawed, but you know, I thought it was much better. I did not like the second National Treasure. So this one was, lo and behold for me, the only one there should have been. And like I said, I just related to a lot of the things in the movie, and uh, it's got a lot of rewatchability. See, I even like the second one. Not as much as obviously some of the other films, but I, I even enjoy it. I, I just, I like the, the aspect of it. It's fun. Like, it's just the, the things within it. The mystery aspect. Yeah. yeah and I, I like that. I was, I'm hoping there's a third one. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think that ship has kind of sailed. Probably, but I, I wish I wish that they would announce it there. I mean, I looked at the date and I was like, oh my god, it came out when I was in high school. Yeah, the first National Treasure mm-hmm. did. Wow. So, th- th- this to me, I was like, I don't think I would classify this as a bad movie. Um, it's probably like one of the most competent made as far as like trying to tell a story and the acting is kind of all competent and stuff like that my issue was this is like the straight lace Nicolas Cage doesn't kind of have any kind of weird moments um and and I like his more you know relaxed and subdued moments this just felt like he was like just doing like one note kind of and like he would like there's a thought that they do three takes, at least with Nicholas, where they do a one, a five, and a ten for him being intense. And it kind of felt like they went with a five every time. Because they're like, you're, you're not being too boring, you're not being too over the top, which I mean, I can respect, but it also didn't make it that memorable to me. Also, I'm just going to throw out there, the bad guy being named Ian didn't sway me in any way, too. But it's also Sean Bean, and he actually doesn't die. <laughs> That's I was going to say that. Sean Bean is known and, to die in a lot of his stuff. And funny enough how you mentioned uh, the second one. The second one actually has more views on YouTube because Nicolas Cage will go crazy at some points. I'm not making a scene right now. No, we want to make a scene. Well, then fine! That's what you want, so let's have it out right now! Ah, so subtle. Well, let me guess! It's the wrong time! It's the wrong place! I'm wrong again! Wrong about us! Wrong about Thomas Gaffney! <laughs> You'd like the Queen Anne chair! You're wrong to assume I'd like the chair. You see? You see, everybody, listen to this. This is more interesting than that. She thinks that even when I'm right, I'm wrong! Isn't that right? Navigate. 
first one i would like the first one more <laughs> and see that's the thing with it is i know it is very surprising that the first one is so high for me i think it's more of like it means more to me than a lot mm. of the things i think that's the biggest thing is yeah i may like you know um well, a film that we're probably going to get to very soon i may like that more as far as watching it and going wow, like, this is actually a really very good performance. But I think the emotional weight behind National Treasure to me is what's very important to me. Like, I just enjoy it because it's just something I've loved for a long time. And it came out when I was pretty young. And again, that, this was one of the first movies where I said, yeah, this is Nicolas Cage. Like, mm -hmm. I understood, like, this is an actor now. Like, coming into my self-idea of... Like, seeing actors. Like, as kids, you just see people. You don't necessarily know them. It's more of that, where you finally are old enough to be like, yeah, this is a guy. And Niles Treasure has the most famous poster. Yeah. Well, again, uh, because because of how high you rated it, that's how it made it to the top five thing. So, you got that. Uh, but now, we're breaking into even higher up, and we're... To the last one that only two of us had on their list. So what was number four of the Nicolas Cage movies? There are over 550 million firearms in worldwide circulation. That's one firearm for every 12 people on the planet. The only question is, how do we arm the other 11? like selling vacuum cleaners. You make calls, pound the pavement. I supplied every army but the Salvation Army. Can you bring me the gun of Rambo? Part one, two, or three. I've only seen part one. By the mid-80s, my weapons were represented in eight of the world's top ten war zones. Damn, you are good. You get rich by giving the poorest people on the planet the means to continue killing each other. Guns, guns, guns! Say what you like about warlords and dictators. They always pay their bills on time. I would tell you to go to hell, but I think you're already there. Money, this is your thing? I'm the transport. That's what I want. She doesn't know you pay for all this. They don't talk about it. How many car salesmen talk about their work? I'm not saying I didn't have setbacks. There are men going through our garbage cans. Is there anything I should be worried about? No, nothing. The first and most important rule of gun running is never get shot with your own merchandise. Is everything okay? Rough day at the office. We're the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. I guess this is not about the alcohol and the tobacco. <laughs> 
And that is Lord of War at number four. Uh, this was on me and Damon's list, and it was very close. This is number three for me, and this is number four for you. Uh, so I'll go ahead and let you go okay. first. So, like, the funniest thing about this movie is I owned this movie for a long time, and I had never watched it. Watched it. I had a, a VHS of it, and I don't even know where I got it. Mm-hmm. But I just saw the cover, and I was like, it's still exploring. <laughs> And boy, was I wrong, because it's far from it, actually. It's violent and fun, and Jared Leto actually does really good in this movie. <laughs> well, again, early. Yeah, he plays his brother, and he's he's really solid in it. And even Nick's performance is really well done. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a very, very entertaining movie. Like Also very uh, poignant on the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a a lot of deep stuff within it too yeah. like that's the thing story wise like um i think that's what made it so because so high is just because it was a really good watch like i was not and you know i was entertained pretty much the whole time there was not a time where i was sitting there kind of like okay and then there's a couple times like even in like the rock which i really like i was kind of like eh, you know like there, there could be something happening right now mm-hmm. this was like Right for me, like there's always something going on, and so yeah, that's what made it so high for me. Yeah. Um, to me, even though he doesn't have a lot of freakout moments, this is like the smartest character that has ever been written for him. Just the way he talks, the stuff that he knows and figures out. This is like the smartest Nicolas Cage he's ever been, and also another reason why I prefer this. A little bit more over National Treasure is... National Treasure is like a conspiracy kind of thought. Like, this yeah. probably happened. This shit happens! Yeah. <laughs> there are gun runners that sell to nations and stuff that are fighting, and it is all covered up and helped by the U.S. government sometimes. I mean, heck, there was uh, that one movie that just came out not too long ago with... Um, had Jonah Hill and... Uh, War Dogs? Yeah. I never saw that. I I did hear that he uh, drops a lot of f bombs. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, but it kind of is that premise too. Um. But like you mentioned, Jared Leto is also in it. I do think he's a good performance. It's just the stereotypical kind of performance that he can do, where it's like, yep, he's the screwed up brother, does drugs and stuff like that. I'm like, eh, but at least it's good. Yeah, it's weird to me. Like, there must have been some some point in Jerry Leto's life where he just was like, I'm not going to act good anymore. Um, also, out of all of them, and I even put this probably in the top ten, maybe even top five of best openings. Like, the credit sequence in this is, like, one of the best of all time, the bullet being made the song behind it and what happens with the bullet journey is yeah, it, just it's really entertaining great um also kind of ironic because uh they, they're a family from ukraine <laughs> given the time period uh nick this was not on your list i've not seen it no that's one of the five that i i literally count five which meaning matchstick man adaptation lord of war moonstruck and Leaving Las Vegas were the five that I'd probably watched first. Yeah, those probably would be the top. And then I've become to love Ethan Hawke. 
Yeah, I, especially this later stuff that he's doing and gonna do. Yeah, I, I love Ethan, I love Ethan Hawke. Yeah, Ethan Hawke is also strong in this as like the FBI agent that will not break the rules. He's like that straight laced guy. He's like, yeah, I. I mean, we could do this. I mean, there's a point where Nicolas Cage could just be killed, and the guy says to him, "Who's gonna know?" He's like, "Well, we will." The thing with it, there's a scene in it that you might actually really like. They, they notice, they're like, uh, "We're being tracked, guys," and they're on a big like vessel. Yeah, it's like a, a boat, a cargo ship. And oh, like he realizes there's like tons of guns on there. Nick Cage is like, "Oh shit," and. <laughs> <laughs> they change the name of the boat like really fast like he's like hurry up like he's yeah. and it's it's one of the only kind of freak out moments and he comes in and they open it up and it's just like a bin of potatoes but then like <laughs> he, he turns around and he's like alright for now and then like you just see some of the potatoes fall and then there's a box that says guns on it it's just well, like it's a, oh, yeah, nice. M- M16 yeah this is like <laughs> well there, there's a lot it's also probably his best uh, like mono like over voiceover from his character because like that kind of part he says I, f- I found one of the perfect combinations is weak old potatoes and tropical heat <laughs> like yeah that, that's why I think that's probably his smartest character he's ever been um, so yeah Lord of War at number four does that rhyme? kind of <laughs> um, also uh just other random good strong acting in this. I don't know them by name, but one of them I thought maybe was in Black Panther, but that may have just been my whole thought. No, not the same guy. He he plays the warlord that he really works for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yep, we are now cracking into the top three, and these are the only three that we all three had on our list. Three, three, three. So what? Was number three. Following is a state secret, gentlemen. Disclose it to any party, and you will be subject to prosecution.
Jerry Bruckheimer, the producers of Top Gun and Crimson Tide, and Michael Bay, the director of Bad Boys. <laughs> Welcome to The Rock. We got visitors. Sean Connery. I'm sure you're ready for this. I'll do my best. Your best. Losers always whine about their best. <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Cage. Listen, I'm just a biochemist. I drive a Volvo. And that is The Rock at number three. And no, not Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> so this is one that me and Nick here mm-hmm. had the exact same number at number eight, and this cracked into your top ten, Damon. Um, I'm just going to start off with this is probably Michael Bay's best movie. Arguably, um, yeah. Because it has, like, the things about that... I noticed with him now, but the surprising thing is that the writing of the characters is much stronger. Plus, the story is really well done. Like, yeah. the villains, I was really kind of sympathetic with the villains. Like, their motivation made sense. Yeah, like, I mean, they may have went about it in the worst way possible, but yeah. like, <laughs> the idea of, like, yeah, that's a true thing. Like, we do that. Like, we send people over to places and spec ops missions that. And then we're just like, eh, sorry, fuck you. Like, when they come back, like, well, no help, you're fucked. That, that or because they're so black ops and covert, if they die over there, they're just made up the stories about what happened to them, and then their families don't get compensated. Yeah. Which is the just, big thing for Ed Harris's character. Yeah, and so he, like, his motivation was good, was he was going to give them all money and give all the people that was working with him money that were clearly ex-soldiers, which it had one of the guys from Scrubs. And it yes, Dr. Off, Cox. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then also Tony fucking mm-hmm. Todd. This, is a, this actually has a very big cast of people you know. Well, like, I didn't really... Like, I was like, yeah, this I am. And then, like, yes. towards the end, like, yeah, I'm like, Tony is really good in this. Like, he is really well... Like, I mean, he's a great actor anyways, but, like, he really is was one of, like, the shining stars, especially towards the end. Like, he was really up there for me. And the, the main villain, the, the guy who was running it all. Yeah, Ed Harris. Ed Harris was, yeah, he, he was he was awesome. And he, like, he was very, like I said, he was a very sympathetic guy. Like, he really didn't want to do this. He was more of, like, he had it in his head, and he was like, you know, he, I think he talked himself up and had people around him talking him up. But when it actually came down to the matter of the fact of doing it, yeah, he was like, I don't actually want to hurt people like I thought they were going to break by now. But he also didn't realize who he had hired and brought along. We're actually psychopaths. Yeah, Yeah. those are the people that actually will do it. Um, But kind of coming off of Nicolas Cage here as Dalen Goodspeed, uh, that like chemist nerd. Yeah, thinking Nicolas Cage like that is a little bit hard. But he does pull it off, I think. Yeah, he does really well on it. And he, he's just, he it's just well acted. And, like, as far as action goes, like, this is, like, I feel like, because this is pretty early. When did this come out? Like, 96? I didn't want to say that. So this is, like, around the time when action-y films are, like, in. And he's yeah. definitely starting to pick up his career in action. And it's a good starting point for him. I just really wanted to see how they would get a chemical warfare expert and a British spy to work together, (laughs) and they did. Well, the fact that that Sean Connery 
uh, says, like, you know, he's from Village Intelligence. I'm like, is this James Bond older? Yeah, yeah. it did kind of feel like that. Well, my, my big thing is, like, I'm just surprised it's a Michael Bay film. <laughs> I didn't know that for the longest time. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, when I think Michael Bay, like, I think of Transformers and shit like that. Like, I, yeah. I usually am not a big Michael Bay guy because no. I just, I find he's kind of schlocky. But this was actually really, you know, if it, it, more of his films were, like, on this level, I would probably look at him much different as a filmmaker. <laughs> like, Surprisingly enough, people keep saying Emergency is his best. Well, that's, like, Rotten Tomatoes. It's, like, the critically highest one. I'm like, <clears throat> oh, come on, really? Um, but, I, and again, he has those moments of good freakouts that are just peppered in there, like... Why don't we just cut the crap a hole? Like, don't even say asshole. The the, one of the deaths towards the end when he about likes the flares. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty. I'm like, man, that would fucking be horrible to die like that. Where he puts the chemical ball in his mouth and like Uh, goes like that. Yeah. Ouch. Eat that shit. (laughs) Yeah. God damn. (laughs) Now the thought of Sean Connery and him being able to take out all those marines is a little far-fetched but again we're talking about michael bay action movies. yeah and it's just like if he's british intelligence okay like but even then these guys are all trained soldiers like i feel like it might be a little bit harder but you know again like you said it's a michael bay action movie like i i, I tend to overlook when things are good I look less at things like that. Like yeah. I'm like, well, at least you improved so much in other departments that I can forgive a little lackluster. Like, okay, this is a little crazy out of yeah. there. Um, so, so here's a four a four movie stretch that he did in the '90s. He did Leaving Las Vegas in '95, then The Rock in '96, then Con Air in '97, and also in that same year, Face Off. That makes sense. So that was like his peak action. Yeah, like I said. That's when I started watching Nicolas Cage. Yeah, like like I said, I remember probably seeing like things like Face Off and I believe Con Air I seen at some point on TV or something like, but I never really was like, you know, it was just a movie. Like it was Mm -hmm. never like, I understand this is Nicolas Cage or this is John Malkovich or John Travolta. The Rock had a really, really freaking funny sex scene, too. Yeah. <laughs> that may be over the top, but I thought it was hilarious. And again, uh, also very good score behind it. Oh, yeah. Hans Zimmer was involved, mm. which I had no idea until I saw his name pop up. Um, yeah. It was just a visceral, action-packed thriller. It yeah. was, it was with, very, with very good character actors. So yeah. that helped. Surprising. That, that first scene. And, you know, there's a... She's a little bit bigger now, but... Um, she, the lady that's like in the cell, like she's only on their screen for a few minutes, but like she's the bald lady. Mm-hmm. Um, I I knew I knew noticed her from somewhere. She's from That's My Boy. Oh God! She was the stripper. <laughs> what? The stripper from That's really? My Boy. Really? Never... I, I I don't know if I want That's My Boy talked about in the same breath as yeah, this. I knew, like, I noticed that lady. I'm like, I, <laughs> I remember her from That's My Boy. Yeah, I remember, because she, she made that joke. The whole uh, uh, Marine was like, I want that dick at attention. Yeah. He's like, already on it. <laughs> oh, gosh. And heard it in the trailer, but I 
I just really like that interaction with him and Sean where he was like, losers don't take the prom queen. And he's like, oh, my girl was the prom queen. (laughs) It's like, okay, good. Um, So, yeah, Rock hit number three. Um, It was, I believe, and it was number eight for us and number ten for you, so... But because it was on all three of ours, it fell that high. Uh, but we're now down to the top two. And what barely missed number one? I know what it is. Well, we'll find out. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drop fat. <laughs> First time I met Ed was in the county lockup in Tempe, Arizona. <laughs> flower yard. A day I'll never forget. I did. You bet I did. Okay then. My lawless years were behind me. Our child rearing years lay ahead. But <laughs> biology conspired to keep us childless. You go right back up there and get me a toddler. I need a baby pot. I got more than I can handle. At the time, Ed's little plan seemed like the solution to all our problems. And the answer to all our prayers. He's beautiful. What? Are you kidding? We got us a family here. I want Nathan Jr. back. What's his name? Ed Jr. Hi, Jr. So far, we've just been using Jr. We call him Jr. Surprised that was number that, two, right? There. <laughs> <laughs> I was not surprised at this one making it all the way high up on the list. So, Nick, you had this at number five. I had it at number four, and Damon, you had it at number two. So, in that top five range. Uh, and after we watched it again, I was like, "Yep, this is still one of my definite favorite Nicolas Cage movies, and one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies." Mm-hmm. Uh, which this also came out the same year as Moonstruck, and it's two completely different acting performances. And yes, not Mr. '87 over there. Here, baby, my ear. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll let you guys start. Go ahead. You got it. Okay. So um, the thing about this movie was I had never seen it, and I was like, you know, I 
I'm going to go in with kind of an open mind because I don't really, like, I've seen pictures and stuff, but I hadn't really seen. And it starts off kind of like, I wasn't really, like, super, like, whoa, when it first started off. Like, I was mm-hmm. kind of, like, just kind of goofy. But the more it just went on, the more it just became, like, a really actually beautiful story. Like, it's, it's a really well done, like, it's, it's kind of sad and emotional has those scenes where you're just kind of laughing and having a good time with it. John Goodman just kills the <laughs> performance. He's so John fun. John Goodman uh, kills every. <laughs> a, a little thing that I noticed that, like, kind of made me chuckle was when they were describing, like, the, the whole, like, Warhog from Hell yeah. guy. Yeah. He basically describes Ghost Rider, and then, yeah. like, the guy's driving, and it's literally just Ghost Rider, and I'm and like, that's Cage, hilarious. Cage would go on to become Ghost yeah, Rider. It's, so that, to me, is hilarious, but I, I don't know, like, the side characters are fun, like, the, the main characters are fun, like, the little kid actually does really well, like, you know, some, it's really hard to work with babies. Yeah. It is, and honestly, the baby did really good, like... Yeah. Um, how they got him to like cover his eyes at some point yeah. when, it was, when it was very good comedy. That's play. really hard to do. Yeah. Cones, they pulled it off. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it just speaking of the film, like it, it was just, it gave me enough where I was completely entertained by it. I left just with a kind of a smile on my face. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really rare that movies can really do that. <laughs> And yeah, I just, I look pretty happy watching it. I was just like, this is kind of emotionally sad, but like, you really resonate with the characters yeah. a lot. Him, him and Holly Hunter are very good together. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a sad character piece. Like, you know, it's just like two people who want to have kids that can't, yeah. can't. And it's, they, they decide to go to this extreme measure. Yeah. I mean, he he's a convicted felon. She's a cop, so it's like <laughs> the whole opposites attracting. And according to Nicholas Cage, he basically wanted to portray Woody Woodpecker. That's why he wanted to have the Woody Woodpecker tattoo. Uh, he said before every time they shot, he would mess with his hair to get the static going to get it. I up. almost want to get that tattoo because like <laughs> I th- I like the tattoo. I like where it's at. Like I like it's just that. Like, you know, I I, I I dig everything about the film. Yeah. I really do. All, all the characters are very memorable, and they're very distinct. And that, it still has that very weird Coen Brothers feel and shot-wise. Like, I love the tracking shot of the bike sometimes when it, like, goes all the way up the house and up the ladder and stuff <laughs> like that. This is, like, Evil Dead shit. <laughs> it was, like... Does Sam Raimi watch this and kind of go like, uh, should I sue? <laughs> uh, but, I and they, Nick said that he auditioned for this role 20 times. And the Coen brothers said, we're, we're not, it's not that we're not liking you, it's that we're laughing all the time with you, but we don't know why. So... He kind of helped the comedy apparently. Yeah, he won just, him over apparently. Just just by being himself. So I wonder how much of that is the writing and how much of that is Cage. So yeah. uh, Nick, do you have any yeah, to add? I think the Cohen brothers it might be their best pure comedy. Um, oh, yeah. all the screwball antics, the really, really, really awesome chase chase scene, which mm-hmm. is arguably 
you know, still today one of the best chase scenes in movie history. Um, but the the camaraderie that him and Holly Hunter had in this movie yeah. was awesome. You, you root for them, and uh, um, I, I couldn't help but notice that Nicolas Cage looked like a nineteen eighties porn star. <laughs> He had a stash and everything, and then had the hair, the crazy hair, and everything. You know, I just for some reason I was just like, wow. I, I was before so, you got here. I was actually explaining to his mom, like you know, Cage back in the day, he was a hunk, yeah. like he really was. And this is this was the definition of him actually trying to have a southernish accent, and mm-hmm. and he did it right. <laughs> so I felt like maybe the Coen brothers actually helped with that because <laughs> obviously Jerry Bruckheimer or somebody else didn't help him in Con Air. <laughs> <laughs> and he probably would have been in his later 20s early 30s during that yeah movie. so yeah that was his you know and again, again another memorable thing about this is the soundtrack mm-hmm. <laughs> like i said screwball slapstick yeah music it was really fine and i i'm trying to remember if it's like the actual runtime i think it's like the first maybe five ten minutes you don't even get the title. It's just yeah. set up yeah. about the characters and how they are. Then all of a sudden, like, you know, the title comes on the screen and we get the credits. So I was like, oh, that's pretty nice. Um, and I like all... It, it, it's open to, is this how it ended or is this not? Because yeah. it's him dreaming about it. But one of my favorites is when he dreams about that guy, like, basically getting pulled over by a cop and he's like... Yeah, he always made a Pollock joke for some reason. It's almost like he's against Pollocks, and he got pulled over by a cop that was all Polish. He's like, oh, one too many jokes here. <laughs> well, yep. they, um, what is it? The, the thing with that, too, is, like, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, it's not necessarily clear how it ends. Yeah. So that could leave, you know, kind of open to interpretation. It, like, it's, it's like... You want them, you know, to have that happy ending and some, but you don't know. Yeah. You know, a lot of that camera work, even back for back in the eighties especially, you know, arguably could have led to certain ideas down the road for oh, other yeah. directors. And then that opening scene I think could have been a short film in itself. It probably could have been. It could have been how they would have sold the movie. Mm-hmm. Be like, Look, this is what we're gonna this is what we wanna make. Please back us. And, I don't know. That would have been funny if that's actually did how it worked. <laughs> but so raising Arizona just missing that number one spot, but you know, respectable number two. And I don't think anybody here listening is sad or mad about that. Yeah. But now we must get to the number one movie, and. This is probably the most shocking thing to probably a whole bunch of people that love Nicolas Cage and, you know, that are like the diehard fans and stuff, but they're going to be like, this is number one. We can't help what happened, but number one is this.
yourself a new pig. Cage live action movie, according to us, average wise, is Pig. The second most recent <laughs> Nicolas Cage movie. Um, this was also one that me and Nick here tied. At, it was our number one. It was number three for Damon over here. So obviously, we all three really, really love this movie. Um, and to me, I was especially surprised that I decided to go number one with this. Because it is that subdued performance from him. It's there's no freakouts. There there's like a tiny smidge of that, but I was just like I connect so much with things in this. It's dark, bleak, feels very realistic, and just to have that idea of him like being like a top level chef also appealed to me. Like especially Damon over here with our mm-hmm. cooking background and stuff. But not having the happiest ending, took balls. This is also a first-time director who did this, and I was like, wow, he convinced Cage to do this. And it's so well shot, so well written, and well acted. And just, it was my favorite movie last year, and it might be now my favorite Nicolas Cage movie of all time. I, uh... This is the most real and raw performance from Nicolas Cage. Mm -hmm. And the only movie of Nicolas Cage that I ever shed a tear on. Mm -hmm. Um, That alone made it number one for me. And just the settings in this movie were so real, so dark, so uh, gloomy. And you just felt every word every person in this movie was saying, especially Cage. And um, I was blown away by this. I wish I... Could have seen it in theaters. Um, yeah, it was very emotional for me watching this movie. I mean, there was a lot of things that went into that, and we we reviewed it, so I pretty much talked, said what I said it needed to say about it. But it was just the most real movie I've seen from Nicolas Cage, and I think very different for him. Yes. And I thought that was another thing, and this movie blew me away more than any of his other films. Yeah, this thing, Pig. Like, I didn't know what to expect going into it. Because mm-hmm. I'm watching it and I'm like, you know, there's a lot of stuff in here, like, I didn't expect. Like, like the whole chef thing, that kind of just came out of nowhere for me. Mm-hmm. But, like, the movie's fucking sad. Like, it, it really is. Like, you know, like you mentioned, it's probably one of his, like, most, like, in-tune performances. Mm-hmm. Like This and Leaving Las Vegas are yeah. his two saddest performances. You just, like, you don't, like, if you're looking for just, like, a happy, joyful kind of ending, like, Raising Arizona was, like, mm-hmm. happy, kind of joyful at the end. This one, it's just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, this is real. Yeah. And emotionally, like, there's a lot of things just within this that are just emotionally, you're just, I don't want to say scarring, but it's Broken. just like, yeah, <laughs> like, you, you just leave and you... 
you don't know how to feel after watching it and that's kind of where I left it I was like it's just it's dark it's just it's it's a very painful story but a beautiful one and I love how they don't also over explain what has happened with him yeah they kind of just give you nuggets to try to piece together yourself and you can kind of understand what's going on like they they explain it enough to where you understand that something happened in Mm -hmm. his life that put him to that point but it's just like it's more just like the sadness of like you're watching a man just go search after something that he cares about that you know could eventually just be nothing like the the spoiler alert here um, the whole thing at the end is he didn't even need the pig to find the truffles. He just loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's... Oh, very very minimum cast too, and all the cast members were great in it. The, his quote unquote business partner that kind of became his friend, who's also from Hereditary, mm-hmm. he was great. And the guy that plays his dad, who's like, you know. This is his son, but he's like a ruthless, because it shows that under siege of the restaurant community. It's like, this is actually cutthroat, because your business will die or thrive, and you have this competition. It doesn't even matter if it's your friend or your family. You're willing to go that far. Yeah. So It's very rare that as good as a loss in love film that that was that it made me break down. And not a lot of films, very, like I'm saying, there's probably less than five that have made me feel that way. And the fact that it was a first time director makes me hope, hopeful for the future that they do get together again at some point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how the experience was for either of them, but you know, they they could have had a good time or they could have actually hated each other the entire time. We. I, I've seen movies where I was like, wow, they actually hit each other when they were making this. but Because, uh, I mean, he's asking him to, you know, kind of be down and dirty. Like, not not like the kind of down and dirty that Las Vegas was. Like, he's literally dirty. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're, you're going to have longest nails with dirt in them. You're going to have long hair. You're going to look like you've not been showering, probably. He probably had the lake. Probably was, it was like a... Oh God! Power of the dog. Mm, yep. Like how yep. he only bathed in the lake. I'm like, yeah, you're not gonna look clean or nothing. Yeah. But then to have like that very weird. It was darkly lit, but it still had nice vibe look of the food, like a chef's table. And I was like, what? <laughs> how did you do this? It's not well lit, but it still looks good. And. And I said this to Damon after I was like, and you just, it made us envious of that actor because he's like, it's like I'm cooking with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> that would just be amazing. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that that character actually, the way that he is, is actually closer to how he actually is, makes it feel more real. Yeah. Like, he's actually like a calmer person. But, and when I remember... There's only those two small moments of, like, a freak-out. And it's kind of deserving. One is a little bit weird. <laughs> but he yells at the kid for the bike. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh, my God. Like, ah! It's like, ah! Like, you, you just took a bike. Oh, well. 
And then when he uh, is kicking the friend's uh, car, his nice car, I was like, yeah, it's a nice car, but uh, I can let that slide. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, guys, uh, out of all these strange, freaky, you know, out there performances that Nicolas Cage has done, our favorite is the most subdued, gritty, down and dirty, calmest, and realist Cage movie. So I think that's what it boils down to. It's real Cage. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I love his crazy. Like that's why Vampire's Kiss made my list. Like I love his crazy performances. But, like, as far as just movies where, like, you know, like you said, it really feels like Kate. Like this feels like something that could have happened in his life. Mm-hmm. Like, and or, or if you think about it in a weird way, this could be this could have been like his career with how it was going, with yeah. his financial issues. Uh, so could, there they, could be a weird subtext there, yeah, that. underlying topic. Like that. that's the thing with it is, yeah, that's. I mean, I'm not surprised it made it up so high because, like, it is it's just emotionally great film. Yeah. Uh, Nick, how do you feel about it? This being number one. Yeah, I. I think did, going did into, you see this? Yeah. No, not as a group, come, come, no. Coming. <laughs> but as for me, yes, I think Tig would definitely would have I thought it was going to make the list, but not necessarily number one. I thought maybe top three. Yeah. And then as soon as I saw him say number one, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then when I saw your list and it was number three, I'm like, it's going to be number one now. <laughs> because all the others were so varying. I was like, this is the one that we were actually the most consistent on that we all loved and connected with this. Those top two, I think, were by far the most consistent between us three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just kind of looking here. Yeah, this, so far, this director, this is the only feature film he's ever directed still. It's done some episodish kind of stuff and some shorts. Well, it falls along the line, not necessarily, you know, the same type of movies, but, you know, Jordan Peele and John Krasinski, yep. opening the the basically opening pitch, hitting it out of the park, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah. And as, as I said in my top ten of last year, I was like, this is the one that I'm like, he is not getting credit for this. He should have been up for best actor. This this is the kind of film that I was talking to Damon earlier. I was like, I don't think he is gonna quit until he gets another Oscar nom because he clearly shows he deserves it. Yeah. I just hope that he does at best get it, but that's a, that's a stretch. I'm kind of stretching. It's going to be very hard to top. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he may not actually top it, but just to see him get another award, like, like Anthony Hopkins, basically, him finally getting another one. But I just think that he deserves it. With all he's gone through. Yeah. Um, because I kind of agree with another person that we watch, uh, Chris Stuckman, that he actually might be my favorite actor, or at least in my top two. Him and Daniel Day-Lewis are probably my top two. <laughs> but yeah, he definitely circles top three for sure. So it's always those two, Farley and Robin Williams. Those are the yeah. top four. Actually, we, we've been discussing... Um, Chris Farley could be a thing. <laughs> Since he does have a cut oh. off. Yeah. We yeah. can actually, like... Oh, know. man. I'm down yeah, for that. that. You already know damn yeah. well I'm down but, for that. But let me ask this. 
If you thought this was hard, is that going to be harder? That's going to be damn near yeah. impossible. I love every one of his films. Yeah. Every, every, even films that he's just like, even like Airheads, yep. where he's just kind of a side. Airheads, Coneheads, I mean, it's... Love it. I, I love every film that he is included yep. in. Yep, I agree. Yeah, so now that might be in the pipeline at oh, some point. Yeah. I'm down. Um, now, the one thing that I'm going to say that will be a preview is one that is not talked about on here. But that's because it's kind of an infinitely bad movie, but he is membered in it, remembered in it. Wonder Man. No. Oh, well, that that will be a rotten egg. Yeah. <laughs> but that but the movie I'm talking about is called Deadfall. Never seen it. It's directed by his cousin, and he lets him just go off. <laughs> I, your family just go off. I I've heard that the movie itself is terrible. But whenever he is on screen, you can't look away because of how insane he is. Oh, Dave, that's Ghost Rider all together. Uh, that Ghost Rider, he's not crazy it's enough. It's the second one. He, if I took the cage from the second one and put it in there, it would be much better. Oh, fuck. Because the way that Ghost Rider looks in the second one, I was not a fan of. Yeah, Spirit of Vengeance is kind of yeah. shit. Um, but, guys... That's our, according to us right now, our top ten Nicolas Cage movies. Uh, how do how do you feel about this experience, and how do you feel about how that went? Love it. I love celebrating anything Cage. He is he's so good. This honestly, all this has done was give me more of an appreciation because I've got to see things like Valley Girl and stuff that I hadn't seen, mm-hmm. and really get into get you know explore things like you know i already loved him but like throwing in all these other things that i could kind of understand references for and understand things like i can be like you know i really do like care about him even more as an actor is because like they're just emotionally like he's actually been a bigger part of my life than i you know anticipated the thing that i somehow let it always slip by, by until now was actually how many varying directors he's worked with. Yeah. Like, he's, he's worked with Michael Bay, he's worked with Spike Jones, he's worked with Ridley Scott, the Coen brothers. roles? Like, he is at least, like, this is one of the more flexibleness of an actor. Like, he has kind of done a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah. Like, and I can appreciate that, like... David Lynch is the biggest one that I never realized he worked with. And that yeah. was at Wild at Heart. And I was like, that is a definite David Lynch movie. Yeah. Um, now, I, I though want to mention, because of Nicolas Cage's career, he's also going to be full of Rodney Egg moments for us. And that's not a disrespect on him. But Well, it's just <laughs> when you do so many movies, you have that. Like, yeah. he's... If, He's right now credited at 110 films. Yeah, so if you do 110 films, you're going to have a couple sneakers in there. Like, that's just, that is a guarantee, no matter who the actor is. Like, even if Daniel Day-Lewis did that many films, a couple of them would be bad. Yeah. Because that's just how it is. You're not going to land that many roles and have that many good films. Quantity over quality. Yeah, like, it's just... uh, I mean, just statistically, it's impossible yeah. to be a part of that many good films. Like, it just, yeah. So, like, yeah, of course he's going to have some bad ones. 
And it's not surprising, like, you know, for a while he was probably just taking anything that was brought to him because yeah. of the financial situation. Yeah, but at least he's not in the same situation like Bruce Willis was, where he actually has a problem, and he's trying to, you know, make money right before he retired. He's still, at best, as weird as the sound, sound of mind. Yeah, well, the thing with it, too, is, like, you know, Pig, I was like, it, it's like the, the thing with Jamie Lee Curtis. For a long time, Jamie Lee Curtis looked older. Mm-hmm. But, like, it wasn't really until the new Halloween that I had actually seen her again, and I'm like... Okay, she's actually starting to really show her age. Yeah. And I thought with Pig, I was like, man, is this, like, older Cage? Like, I'm like, is this actually, like, becoming a... Th- I know he's playing a character, but, like, I'm like, is he really hanging? But, like, you saw him in, then, like, a bearable weight, and you're like, nah, he's actually still pretty fresh looking, you know, like... But I, I was kind of like, oh, shit. Like, even, like, Jim Carrey, the scene, Jim Carrey, you're still looking at him, and, yeah, he's, you know, kind of goofy in, like, the Sonics, but it's like... He's definitely showing his age. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's kind of one of those situations, too, where you're like, oh, shit. Like, especially when you go back to something like Valley Girl, mm-hmm. you see how young he is in it, and you're like, okay. And then, like, now you watch, like, his newer stuff, and you're like, but you definitely can see he's getting older. And it's like a it's a thing that you see with actors. Like, it's kind of sad, like, just because, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're doing it now. Like, I mean, even Adam Sandler, like, yeah, he's been making some shit movies, but, like, it's kind of that thing where, you're like, you've seen it, and you're like, wow, like, this guy that was such a big part of my life is going to kind of get old, and he might actually retire soon. Like, and... Well, I've, I've not seen the trailer, but he apparently has, like, a new Netflix movie coming out. Why is Huh? But the f- weird thing is, I'm pretty sure I'm hearing it's actually not what we would expect. It actually might be serious. <laughs> so it's, like, his ninth of ten that he's done or from Netflix... What does he have, like, 15? He has, like, a 10-movie deal, I think, or something like that. But, but, you know, just to get back to my background, it's just, like, you can just see such a spanning career. Like, yeah, you're going to have some, like, shit movies, but, like, it just left such an impact with the few, you know, the ones that are good that that's why we're doing this. (laughs) I mean... So, I know for a fact that definitely some future rotten eggs in the pipeline that have him, though, in it are going to be the Wicker Man. Uh, e- even though all of us probably have our own thoughts about it, we're going to have to still watch that again. I'm okay with that. Um, then Deadfall, as I mentioned, because that's just a notorious one from him. Uh, one that might be, due to the context right now, would be Drive Angry, because <laughs> of a certain actress that's in it. <laughs> but that that's also one that's apparently like a so bad it's kind of fun so but it's gonna be weird with that actress right now uh but yeah uh other than that guys i'm glad and hope you've enjoyed this and you know what now now apparently nick you're gonna have some homework (laughs) yeah i I think just reassured that i had at least five films that i definitely have to go back and watch yeah because to to see some that I was just like, wow, okay, well, but, you know, people have their own feelings on certain things, so, uh, and one I want to throw out there because it wasn't mentioned at all that I'm pretty sure you have seen, which Bad Lieutenant, that, that is also one that I'm like, it's a mixture of actually not too bad, but then it has the crazy Nicolas Cage in it. And I really like Eva Mandaz. I was going to say, then it has the... 
well, the, the duo from Ghost Rider. Yeah, which are much better together in that than they are in Ghost Rider. It's hard to be in love with Johnny Blaze. I mean, come on. And as I mentioned to Damon also a while ago, I was like, he actually is probably in some of my favorite couple movies. Like, yeah. actually legitimately care about couples that I believe and, you know, are into. So, uh, guys, other than that, I guess we can close it out. Uh, thank you once again for joining this weird weather day. <laughs> it's sunny, rain, cloudy, but that's the Midwest here. So, uh, any uh, final words? I mean, just watch some Nicolas Cage films. Have some fun. You know? Yeah, this just opened up, I think, a bunch of podcasts in the future for specific actors, like we said, Chris Marley, yeah, Chris Marley. and some other ones that aren't going to be as, I oh, guess... Robin Williams. Robin Williams is going to be really hard. Oh, God. But it would be remiss if we didn't do that because he's such a great actor. Well, we've only done one other one like this, and that was with Tim Burton, and mm-hmm. the hard, tricky thing with that is that they are not done, so it's like... I feel like is this uh, premature? <laughs> Robin's gonna probably be harder than Farley if we do a Robin one. Well, especially the the mount, yeah. you know, that Williams yeah. did. And Robin is gonna actually make me so sad. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, yeah, that's pretty much. Uh, other than that, guys, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, please subscribe wherever you are listening to this, uh, and you know, just go out there and support theaters and you know what go and support Nicolas Cage all you want uh there is a new movie out there called Firestarter uh Nick you had the pleasure of watching it on Peacock uh real quick real quick is it worth it or not watching it on Peacock or watching it in general in general (laughs) to I guess to me if it's gonna make guaranteed to make your worst then yes it is worth watching at least one time so there's your quick review on yep. Firestarter, because I don't know if I will watch it. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. I love bad movies. So. Yeah. Uh, but until next time, see you guys next time. <laughs>